I eat a fry every day this summer. Go from that building site. You know, now again, we didn't win, so maybe it wasn't the right thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> I should have been there the food and the pasta. <laughs> OTB AM, live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. OTB AM. With Gillette, get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. We're turning our attention to rugby and I'm delighted to say Justin Marshall is with us. Justin, good morning to you. How are you? Yes, good morning. I'm very well, thank you. Considering the circumstances of last weekend. <laughs> I, I was going to say, uh, is Ian Foster still the coach of the All Blacks? That's a question we keep asking every day here. Yeah, uh, currently he is. Uh, you know, obviously he's under a mountain of pressure now coming off the Irish series uh, and that first series loss in New Zealand, which recreated uh, history to a negative. Obviously, uh, he was... Uh, given the backing of New Zealand Rugby Union and uh, had a bit of a change up in his coaching environment and um, there was a real positive uh, vibe coming out of the All Black camp leading into that first South African test. But unfortunately, many of, many of the errors, many of the, I guess, sort of confidence levels that have been lacking were all too evident again and they were quite comprehensively beaten. So it's only mounted the pressure on him, to be perfectly honest, but uh, he's still got the reins for this weekend. The backroom changes, it always feels a little bit like somebody believes that the person who's responsible isn't actually responsible. And what you're doing, one of the analogies is rearranging the deck chairs in the Titanic. Um, was that unfair on the, the backroom team for them to shoulder the blame for the Ireland series when ultimately, you know, the head coach is supposed to set the tone? He is supposed to be the person who inspires his team to then go on and work with the players to make them free to do their jobs. Oh, it's a very fair analogy, and you're absolutely right. Uh, there's no doubt that the buck stops at the head coach, and that's why you have that responsibility, and that's why you've got to make the, the big decisions, the big calls, and they include selection as well, but they also include your support staff. Look, I think probably there's been a little bit of rope given to Ian Foster simply because after the end-of-year tour last year in November, the Autumn Internationals, where the, the All Blacks lost to Ireland again and also to France, back-to-back test matches, there was quite an extensive review done uh, about their performance uh, in, in 2021. And um, what came out of that was that the, there was some disconnect uh, between the players and some of the coaches. And Ian Foster, ironically, wasn't one of those. So basically what I'm saying to you is that there was something wrong anyway. They just decided to persist with the Irish series and quite clearly those things that were wrong uh, within that coaching group and the disconnect between them and the players uh, was was just considered to be enough for those guys to be dismissed. So I, I think they were hoping for a, a quick uh, solution and for things to change dramatically, uh, but that hasn't happened. But yeah, that's the background as to why that happened. Um, at the same time, and, and we've we've had Gregor Paul on the on the program, and he's explained that Scott Robertson is under contract at the moment to the New Zealand Rugby Football Union, and so therefore there is a ready-made replacement who seems like a world-class coach who plays a really brilliant attacking style of rugby that would uh, free the players and get the fans back on side. Why is why is the decision not been made already when the rest of the world is looking at this going really smart, clever coach over here, coach who seems to have lost the faith of the players and the fans and rugby in New Zealand, this is a fairly obvious fix, lads. Get on with it. Why, why, why has that not happened in your view? 
I think historically New Zealand have never been that dramatic and reactive. They are very regimented in the decision-making. You know, you see it across the world. I know you do, uh, and, and particularly in lots of other sports when, you know, a manager or a coach is not doing well, they are quickly moved on. And that's not been in the All Blacks or New Zealand rugby's DNA. They, they never uh, sort of take a backward step and go, we got this wrong. Um, you know, I think I could probably only go all the way back to possibly when John Mitchell was in charge with Robbie Deans. Uh, when they made a, they were off contract. However, they made a decision to change those coaches two years out from a rugby world cup. Apart from that, I can't ever think of the All Blacks not allowing a coach to see through his term of his contract, which for Ian Foster is ended next year. The other part of it is, it's it's bloody complicated. There's a lot of moving parts and changing the coach. Um, there's been a team selected for the rugby championship, so a new coach would have to deal with the current players. Um, and then they, they would be able to pick a new side for the end of year tour. But equally, you know, if I'm Scott Robertson and I'm sitting there and they're, they're, uh, my phone's ringing and it's using rugby union, well, you're going in on your own terms. You're going in, you want, if you want to succeed, you want your own, you want the right players to implement that game plan that you know can turn the All Blacks around. So all of a sudden, there's massive problems in terms of selection because you don't want to deal with what's there now. And secondly, you don't want to deal with the, the, the current structure of the management. You want your own analyst. You want your own trainer. You want your own assistant coaches. So financially, that is a huge clean-out that the New Zealand Rugby Union, I don't know, can afford. They might they might have to jump and take that, uh, that, that road at some stage, but the dynamics of doing it are incredibly difficult. Is this group of players good enough to win next year's World Cup? There are good enough players within New Zealand to win the Rugby World Cup, uh, unequivocally. I, I think there's no doubt about that. The problem with this current group of players is th- there's something amiss. I think everybody can see that. They're very low on confidence, uh, and that's not a good thing in any sport, being low on confidence. And you know, I think I, I said at the weekend on, on television, I said, look, when I got asked in the pregame, you know, what are your thoughts? I said, well, if, if the All Blacks are not ahead or have parity on the scoreboard, after the end of the first quarter, they will not win. Uh, and, and they said, why? And I said, because if they, they if they get away to a poor start and they're behind, their confidence levels are too low to find their way back into the game. And, and that's the nature of sports sometimes. When you've got heavy shoulders, um, the weight just keeps going on them when things don't go well on the field. So, look, in, in answer to your question, they certainly have, even they even have the players within this squad I just think that they have too many players out there playing too heavy. And when I say heavy, they've just got too much weight on them that they don't need to carry. You know, guys like Sam Kane, he had to compose himself before he came and talked to us on Sky, Sky Sport uh, New Zealand um, after the game because he was starting to wander across and you could see how emotional he was. You know, he had poured his guts into that game, but, you know, he's feeling it and everybody's feeling it. And I think what they need to do this weekend is they need to just, they need to ease that burden. They need to put some players out there that aren't under pressure, that don't have confidence problems, that'll just go out and play instinctively and, and, and are not worried about the result and not worried about the ramifications of losing because it's a heavy, heavy burden to carry when you're in New Zealand, all black, and the country's watching you. Isn't it ironic that, from, from our perspective, watching you guys play... Uh, over the years that the burden of, of history was always on our side where we'd never beaten you our teams had never beaten you 
sorry, with the exception of uh, Munster in 1978, and we made a play about that. It was it was so famous. Yeah. We've made a, a best-selling play about it. That's and and for us, the the, the history was always that uh, no matter how dark the situation got for you guys you'd always find a try in the last minute or a drop goal from Dan Carter from 100 yards out and we'd be like ah oh, that is that is the DNA of New Zealand rugby but now it seems to be working the opposite way you know if, if you think to the, the pre-match anthems and there's tears from the New Zealand guys and the hacker was so intense against Ireland and then Ireland just First ten minutes of the three tests, even the one that we lost, we were the better team. So that yeah. something psychologically is, is working against the All Blacks, and it seems to be the weight of that history. Yeah, and look, look, I, I captained Ireland um, for the first time uh, in, in 1997, and I had a very experienced side, but it was the easiest, and I mean this respectfully, it was the easiest captain speech I've ever had to do, because I just said to the boys, "Whatever it takes, not on our watch." Do we allow all of that history, that legacy that has gone before us on this day uh, to happen? You know, whatever it takes, we just go out there and get the job done. They'll have their moments in the game, but we just have more moments. And when it comes down to the crunch, just everything that you've got, we make sure that we get the job done. And we did. And, and I just, you know, I wonder whether or not this side uh, has, has the DNA in them to, to, to really push themselves to preserve that history because continually it's getting broken, um, you know, under their watch. You know, the first ever series loss in New Zealand uh, in 115 years, the first time losing to Ireland on our soil uh, ever. Uh, they've lost to Argentina for the first time in our history. I think we hadn't been we hadn't lost to France in a very very long time. I'd imagine. I say I say this with trepidation that Wales and Scotland are pretty much looking forward to the All Blacks turning up in November if this trend continues because they haven't beaten us in 70 years, Wales and Scotland ever. You're right in what you're saying. Um, but but mentally, you know, like when, when you're low on confidence and the team's not, they're not playing good rugby. That, that's probably the, the, the hardest thing. They're not in the fight. Like I can I can handle the, the, the losses and, and the, the dent in our history if, if it's down to the micro minutes of the match and we're fighting hard and the opposition get the job done. They've had a great day. We've had a great day, but there was nothing in it. But at the moment, the gap is big. Like, you know, that, that they are getting quite conclusively beaten, and that includes by Ireland, you know. so And what I'm hearing is continually, I've even heard it this week coming out of the All Blacks, they're a good side. They're a very good side. They're an excellent side. Ireland are a great side. South Africa are a great side. It's like, hang on, when have the All Blacks ever admitted that a team are better than them? So it seems like it's a, a circular thing where the confidence is low. There are, yeah. are you making the case that there's actually better players or players better suited to playing for New Zealand who aren't in the squad at the moment? Well, I think you know some of them are some of them are injured, some of them are, are unwanted. Um, you know, you, you look at the, the the likes of the back row would probably be a different makeup if Cullen Grace was included in the side because he's a good, genuine number eight. Uh, and, and obviously Ethan Blackadder being out is a massive blow. Anton Leonard-Brown being out is not an ideal. Like Damien Kenzie's running around in, in New Zealand at the moment uh, with, without an all-black jersey on his back. Uh, and there are other cases for players that, uh, you know, could push to, to be in, the, in, in an all-black jersey. Uh, and, yeah, look, I, I, what I'm saying is there is, without doubt, enough talent in this current side. Without all of those peripheral players that are not there to, to, to win a test match at Alice Park. 
they just have to find their mojo and they have to they have to play instinctively like all blacks do uh, at the mo- at the moment i think they are going into the test match worried about what the result is going to be and anybody will tell you in any sport if you're worried about the result and not performance performance levels kept around that 90% ratio you tick the box usually to win and they're way off that at the moment handling errors turnovers uh, you know getting beaten in the contact zone all of those little elements of the game they are losing which culminates in losing the match so you know if they could get those things right and at least get parity then they certainly have the firepower to beat South Africa who are very regimented one-dimensional side we were talking about it on the show yesterday morning. The New Zealand Herald ran with the front page editorial saying that Ian Foster's time is up. When it comes to the general population in New Zealand at the moment, has there been noise like this at any point in, in your memory of, of the All Blacks being under fire from, from the public? Uh, yeah, I was involved in 99 uh, when, when we lost the semi-final. Uh, we lost the semi-final in 2003, so both Rugby World Cups. That's my burden to bear. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, th- there was a bit of fallout after 99, but th- and it was quite bad. Uh, and John Hart, um, he, he was at the forefront of some really uh, untidy, unnecessary you know, public abuse, and it, it went too far. I think after that and the fallout of that, the country grew up a bit and learned to accept that you know, it's nobody's fault that everybody wants the All Blacks to win. And so I think we've come a long way as a nation. Uh, but, you know, we've had quite a lot of success between 99 uh, and, and the current and, the, and this current uh, campaign under Ian Foster, you know, two Rugby World Cups and pretty much winning uh, most most test matches uh, under Steve Hansen. I think his winning ratio was over 80%. So, no, is the answer to your question. I haven't seen it in New Zealand for a long time since then, but it is... It is quite bad at the moment. Yeah, look, there's no doubt that Ian Foster is a man under pressure. Uh, and in a country with rugby in New Zealand, everybody has an opinion. Uh, they have an opinion not only on the coach of the setup, and also the, the players are getting it as well. You know, every, everybody is, yes, at this moment. Uh, I've never seen New Zealand rugby in this, in, in this uh, bad a space. Uh, but, you know, like that, that's the way that New Zealand operates and why we've been so good in the past. Uh, the Scott Robertson issue is obviously it seems like it's a break glass in case of emergency and the emergency seems to be here and the rest of the world is, is going not really sure why and you've explained it very, very well that there's stuff obviously in terms of financial terms that would make that difficult less difficult would be just getting rid of Foster and making Joe Schmidt the head coach and saying you're going to have to work with this group at least until their contracts run out at the World Cup and then we'll, we'll revisit that and yet that doesn't seem to be on the table at the moment or are, are we reading that wrong is there a possibility that Schmidt could take over as an interim head coach? Yeah, I don't think you're reading it wrong. I don't believe that is on the table. And that might be Joe Schmidt uh, not wanting to be uh, involved to that level anymore. Uh, I don't I don't know the dynamics of his role currently. I, th- I think he's just sort of overseeing uh, the, the, the selection of, of the side. Uh, he's, he's now been named as an all-black selector. I don't know whether or not he wants to have any full-on involvement as a coach. So I couldn't quite clearly answer that question, to be honest. But look, I think, look, there's, there's no, I don't think there's probably any positives to come out of just getting rid of Ian Foster. Uh, you know, the, play, the players um, are still happy with Ian Foster. He's a good guy and 
they are they are not um, by any means, uh, you know, cooing against him and, and and wanting him to be dismissed. So, whatever he's doing, um, it, it seems to be okay. But it's the it's the whole balance of the the, the, the synergy between the management structure, the players, the New Zealand Rugby Union, everybody um, that is usually really tight is, is all pulling in different directions. And that, that's where the crux of the problem is. So, you know, like, and, and also, you know, what, what coach would want to come in under that environment? You know, that, that you, would, you would want to clean the slate and, and start from scratch. If it was me, personally, I'm just speaking, if somebody could knock my door down and say, come and coach the All Blacks, i go, righto, well, these are my terms, these are my people, and these are going to be my players, and uh, you know that 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 is a massive upheaval uh, to, to make, and we are getting very close to a rugby world cup as well. So there's a, just so much at play. It sounds like it might get worse before it gets better from an all black perspective. Yeah, well, it doesn't get any easier. I've been to I've been to Alice Park numerous times uh, as an all black. It's one of the most difficult stadiums to, to win a test match at, but I can give you the tip: it's one of the most rewarding if you can go there. And you can silence that very patriotic crowd, uh, walk out onto that field um, and get stuck into the Springboks. It's a great place to win. It's a great changing shed to sit down and after the game, having beaten them at Alice Park and have a cold beer and go look at your mates and go, you know what, this is one of the toughest challenges in, in the game, playing at Alice Park and winning. Like if I'm an All Black this week and a senior All Black, I'm getting this group really, really tight and I'm saying, you know what, there's a very clear direction that we can take on Saturday and make a positive step into the future, and that is to go out onto Alice Park and take them apart. And they're capable of doing it. They've just got to get their mind there. I believe that they're capable of doing it. And uh, I tell you what, I'm, I'm, I'm saying these words now because, like I said, I've been there many times. It's almost making me feel like put my books on and going out and give it another go. <laughs> Justin, great stuff. Thanks, William, for joining us. Cheers. Anytime, guys. Always a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me on. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.